Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. This episode is brought to you by Mike Young, the makeover master. If you feel your business image might be costing you money, influence, power, and respect, then head over to makeovermaster.com to discover what their complete brand makeover experience is all about. Go check it out right now because everyone deserves to look their best. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. Man, this is going to be a great show today. My next guest is a healer on a mission to guide people into their true purpose from their soul's perspective and the outside world. Just reading that gets me excited. Gaining knowledge of global faith and learning from shamans based in South America during healing ceremonies to workshops in New York City. His work is an embodiment of belief in human potential. He is the owner of Body Wellness, which is an online hub focused on holistic health that includes life coaching, healing techniques, herbal remedies, and connection to source and self without dogma. Really excited. We connected a little while ago. and We've been chatting and I'm super excited to have him, have him on the show. Antonio Sebastian, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me, Lance. And uh, your Boston hat again is fantastic. Yeah. So, well, happy to be here, my friend. Yeah. Anybody that's a lot of people, we, we don't have the video out, but um, if we do see it, I'm wearing a Boston hat and he's wearing a New York Yankees hat. You'll be able to tell in his accent that he's, he's straight up New York. So I didn't even mean to do that. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> But um, yeah, we were, before we recorded, we were just talking a little bit about sports and we may even get into that as well. But, you know, we connected a little while ago and we were talking back and forth and you really intrigued me with your journey. And it's funny how the more I dive into this stuff and I start to listen to different podcasts or read different books, the more I start connecting with people on this frequency of, of healing and just, you know, perspective and really, really understanding our true self and just the constant growth that we all go through. So maybe just take us back. Tell us your story, man. I love to hear it from the beginning and I just can't wait to just dive into all this. So, so excited. Absolutely. And so where do I begin? I mean, I guess I have to begin at the beginning and when I come to the end, I'll stop. Uh, so yeah, I love it. Uh, my, my story, my story is very interesting. You know, I was, I was born in the Bronx um, and my father was military guy, military guy, 34 years in the Navy. And my mom, you know, she did secretarial work. So growing up, you know, my father was an alcoholic. My mom was an alcoholic. Uh, there were drugs around. Um, it was like the typical ideal inner city guy, you know what I mean? Or, or the growing up in New York city where you know, there's violence, there's profanity, there's all kinds of things around you. And, you know, my parents did the best that they, they could because I had two older sisters. Um, and we've been through a lot of trauma, which I don't want to you know, share their trauma, but I've witnessed. And um, growing up, I always felt a little bit different. Uh, going to Catholic school, I would always question uh, why, who, what, you know, getting, you know, a long time ago, you're, you know, the nuns are actually allowed to slap you. So... I remember one time in second grade, I was jarred and slapped right in the face because I asked, um, my, my father had a friend from the Middle East and I asked, 
you know, why, why did Jesus <laughs> look like that? You know, and I got slapped and, you know, and I was, I was taken aback by that because it, 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 to me, it set me on this path to question everything. So, you know, in going to church, I would, I would ask if people love each other so much and they're going to church, you know, the singing, you know, all that stuff, though beautiful. And though these cathedrals are made and they're so magical, why did it feel like, how come everybody's so uncomfortable sitting away from each other? You know, why, why are we have, why do we have to stand up, sit down? Like, what, what are we following here? What's the, what's the story? Cause it's the same thing every week. I'm cranky cause it's 7am and I'm not getting anything. I'm not feeling anything. And I kind of took that with me my entire life. Um, especially the, you know, the groups that I kept, um, the friends that I was with, I always found a little bit, uh, not something different, but I, I, I was always an observer. Uh, and not in a judgmental way, but more along the lines of fig- you know, trying to figure people out. And that's been my thing since I would have to say eight years old, understanding the body, understanding the mannerisms, facial expressions, how you move, how you talk. You know, I could, you know, when, when you're older, it works for you because you're, you know, you're flirting with girls and you can pretty much tell exactly who the person is by that and the kind of person you want to involve in your person in your life. And so as I grew old, you know, grow, grew up, you know, I found myself a lot more detached. I found myself not wanting to be the typical quote unquote, you know, Puerto Rican guy that, you know, just is, is going to go through a family. Uh, I wanted more. I wanted so much more. I wanted to, to change people's lives because growing up and seeing people close to me fall apart, you know, and die, like die, like kids. There has to be a different way. There has to be a way to change that. And when I just, at a young age, I just started writing, right? I started getting into writing and just really getting into storytelling and understanding it. And I, and you know, I just, I incorporated music behind it. I would listen to Jim Morrison. I would listen to music that was way, you know, out of my age range when I was like nine, 10, 11, 12, but there was more substance there to help me write. And I took that with me. And I got into sports, obviously, and I got into, uh, got into girls. And I started seeing, I started believing because I didn't have that in my family. My parents have a good relationship, but I, I felt it was more of a necessity for them because they had uh, their addictions, if that makes sense. So they were kind of like codependent on each other. And I'll get into that a little bit later about codependency. And I felt that that wasn't real. I mean, they could say it's real, but seeing it from my eyes or seeing out how we were raised... I felt like they were just more of like a fight or flight kind of thing together. And when you have outside substances or vices, I think more people are inclined, especially instead of venturing out to who they are. And that affects the kids and it affected me. And uh, I started watching these different movies about love and everything like that. And I wanted to be that guy. I wanted, I wanted to have somebody in my life to help or to, to, to love me, to really love me. And so I got into these different relationships where I was like, even at a young age, like I just wanted to help everybody, especially my girlfriend, to be that guy. And then with friends, I wanted to help friends and just be that person and just fix their lives. And so, you know, growing up, you know, during my teen years, you know, excelling at football, excelling at baseball, uh, camaraderie, I started to see, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this too before, before, you know, times changed the hazing aspect of it, how human beings were actually treating each other, how it was accepted, but I was never a part of that. 
Like I, it was completely unaccepted. I was the guy that would step in and be like, dude, this is, you know, this is not cool. And because I had to learn how to defend myself growing up, I really didn't have to, you know, yeah, you had, you had to do what you had to do as a teenage boy and you fight. That's how it is. You know, back, back then you fought, you squashed it and you kept it moving. There was no issues. Um, and I didn't like that. You know, I, I didn't like that because I was always taught from my father who's, you know, you know, a disciplinarian and my mom too. And, you know, you know was, they would call it abuse today growing up, which I'll get into that. You're not allowed to lose. That's a lot of, that's a lot to put on to somebody. You're not allowed to lose. Mm-hmm. And if you lost, what does what do you take home with you? How does that affect you? So I was under this thing, even if I got in fights with somebody, I would feel bad for the other person because I didn't want to. I never went out and picked fights. I was never me. But I just wanted to establish relationship and be, uh, be with people on the same level of understanding of what life is or the questions that I have about life because everybody kind of just, just accepted it for what it was. And I knew I was different, like I said earlier. Fast forward, um, got into college, and I wanted to change the world. I, I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be the cop. I wanted to be John McClane from Die Hard, you know, because he was so badass. And you watch all these badass movies, right, of the cops and they save the day and all that stuff. But at the same time, I wanted to know more about people. So I also majored in psychology. And I blended them together. But what happened with me, Lance, what happened with me was I went on uh, so many different, um, you know, how could I say this, uh, different courses or, you know, different uh, events that, you know, you would have internships. And what I realized was that most of these people, and I'm not knocking, you know, bless all the police officers and all those people out there. It's just not for me. But the amount of stress that you take home with you. And then I started rewatching these movies. These people never spent time with their families. These people always out doing the good thing, but they never were themselves. They always had to be this character. And that's where the psychology took over. So I kind of bailed out of the criminal justice thing. I wanted to go to law school, bailed on that, um, started doing therapy um, and working with different people. You know, you go through an internship and you go through your clinical hours. And I had a problem with that. Learning about what the criminal justice world taught me about how to spot a liar. Again, body mannerisms, language, everything, speaking, even the way you write. You know, I, I want to learn all of that. And I took it into my head. And then going the other route with helping people, you know, who are sexually abused. I was molested when I was younger, you know what I mean? So I know that trauma, you know, I know that feeling. I know that emptiness that you have where, where, where you have, where you just are alone, you know? And what you have there going forward, you start to see these people on the other side and you're like, damn, man, why do I have to shut this shit off? Why do, why, why, why do I have to put you in a box and say that, you are this person. You are this, this label. You have this. You have that. And we're going to fix you. And all of a sudden, making this person feel as if, you know, one, there's, there, there, there's hope. But two, there's hope from, from somebody that really doesn't care because they have to do their job. And you're labeled. You are now labeled. And whether it's whatever it is, schizophrenia, uh, you know, ADHD, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever, not just sexual trauma, but whatever it is, you're now a walking label for somebody with somebody sitting at the other end of you. I know psychotherapists or psychologists or psychiatrists, they would like to care, but they can't because you cannot cross that path, that border. 
So I was so overwhelmed with that. And I, it really broke me down, dude. It really broke me down because I felt like no matter what path I wanted to choose, and these are the paths that I wanted to choose, I'd always be victim to some sort of a, a standard where I can't be human. And it wasn't fair and it wasn't right. So like everybody else in their 20s, you need advice. My advice was the New York City club scene. I love music. I love dancing. So, you know, going taking criminal justice uh, and then learning everything about the, the system and psychology and everything one day. And the next day, I'm doing ecstasy at a nightclub. You know, and because I, I needed a balance. And I'm being honest here because people are not honest with, with who they were, how they yeah, were. Man. And, I, and, and, and it's, it's okay. It's okay to do that because that's part of the, it's okay to experience that. And I yeah. felt that I saw more in that night, night world, that club world. I saw lawyers, doctors, I saw uh, transgender, I saw drag queens, I saw everything. And you know what? It was no problem because everybody had love and it was all about love for music. And you take that from the outside world where everybody's judging. If you're gay, if this, black, white, that, none of that mattered in that world. And I loved it. And there was no hate. Yeah, there were a lot of drugs around, but I wasn't one that, that, that got very uh, too, too into it. I partied when I partied, but I never took it home to, for me. It was an escape, a weekend escape. And I did that for a long time. And actually, I, I DJ now, you know, and I also do, I DJ for healing too. And I'll, I'll explain that later. But so fast forward more years and I started coming across all these different people and learning and just picking up so many different things. And it was not until my son was born um, until I realized that shit, I have to be a dad. What dad am I going to be? Who am I going to be? And I remember sitting in my hallway. I was looking at, you know, I was looking at my wife at the time. Uh, and I remember I just started hysterical crying because I didn't want to be my dad. And I didn't know who the hell I was. I know who I pretended I was. But what am I going to do now? And I went to sleep and I woke up and it were, it were seven figures around the bed, white figures, tall, really tall figures, man. And it was this really warm feeling, but they weren't there for me. They weren't there for my wife. They were there for our son. Right. And it was something very life altering about that. And the next day, um, you know, I was just looking at my son and it was just, he had to be maybe about six weeks old at the time. But I remember he looked at me and he smiled, like Steve smiled. I'm like, wow, this is it. I'm dad. You know, I'm dad, and I'm going to be the guy that I'm going to be. I'm going to be that kid. So as, as time progressed, my wife and I decided to not raise him like we were raised, which a lot of people try to do. Mm. But we also found something out as he got older. We found out that, one, the kid remembers when he was born. He remembers going through the birth canal. He remembers being circumcised. He had a big problem with us for being circumcised. He remembers being hit by a train in another life. He remembers my wife in another life. Every time I would meditate in bed, he would put his hand on me. Like, no, not right now. I need rest. Because, you know, you meditate, you vibrate hard. You know, if you go into deep. And as that timeline happened, I started to get more into who I was and stepping away from, you know, I was a born Christian. And there was a lot. There's, there's so much that I can't even fit on this show right now. But I'm just giving you the, the highlight points. But... I, I pride myself on learning about a lot of different religions, little faiths, and 
it wasn't until I met my wife that she was like, dude, let go. You don't have to be anybody. And she, you know, she changed my, my world. And so we had a baby, like we just said, but, uh, you know, it, and I'm, I'm sorry for pausing. It's just, it's an emotional moment for me because I remember I, I started really getting into shamanism or learning about it because of this couple that we met and they were shamans from Peru and they, they were staring at us, like creepily staring at us, but they saw something in us and they made their way towards us and just let us know that, Hey dude, like you guys are like, you guys are healers. Like you, and to hear that it was like, huh? <laughs> what? Like, okay. But it was sincere. It was legit. And they told you everything about you. And, you know, my wife, we're separated, but my wife, like, you know, she, she's a connection with the birthing world. She has a connection with, you know, just be able to captivate. And I've always knew that about her. I always felt she was from another planet that just came in here to play, play human. But me, I, I was just this guy with this shitty life and drugs. And I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And I don't know anything about life. How the hell could I be a healer? Just because I want to help people. That doesn't mean anything. And so I actually started thinking a little bit more about it. And I'm like, all right, you know, I, I think, I think I'm going to try this path and see, see where it goes. But there was no choice, Lance. One night I went to sleep and I felt like, you know, that sound of dodgeball makes that bump. That, that's that. Yeah. I was hitting my head and I woke up. And from then on, I started seeing things differently. I started seeing auras. It's not, not like what they show you on TV. It just, you, you see it, but not with your eyes, if that makes sense. I get it, man. hundred percent. No, I totally, and you can't quantify it. <laughs> no, no. But I saw, I saw with everything and everybody. And I think that anybody who's been on a spiritual journey, like a, a, a healing journey, it gets worse before it gets better. And so, I knew from then on, I'm like, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? I felt like I, and my, you know, my wife would joke with me. She'd go, oh, who do you think you are? Like Papa Shock right now? Because I, I, right away, I think I, I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. And as time progressed, man, the more I learned within a span of three years, I lost my family. I lost my job. I, I was homeless. I, I lost everything you could possibly imagine. I stopped talking to my family, my, my mom, my dad, my sisters. This was after your, this was after you. After, after I was told oh, I was wow. a kid. Yeah. And okay. it was like, it was like, if the universe said, you want to, you want to, you know, if you want to inherit your, your shamanic right, your family, right, who you are, this is what you have to go through. There's no weekend course. There's no going and speaking to Alberto Bololo and saying, okay, you're a shaman now. It's like, this is fucking it. And you're going to do you're just, this. Is, this is you. Time is done. And I had no choice, man. I mean, I did. I could have, I, I could have opted for a way out because it was, a, it was in April. It was April 26, 2016. No, April 29, 2016, my wife walked out. And to see your wife walk out, the woman you love mostly, your son, everybody's Believe, but what you, caused them to why though why all of a sudden did they i started changing i started i started not knowing myself i started drinking um i started drinking a lot because i couldn't handle it i couldn't handle visions i couldn't handle i couldn't handle it i needed something to numb myself because i had the club scene when i was younger and now i i, I couldn't deal like i i didn't like the way my in-laws would talk to my wife i little things 
you know, and I, I, I kind of separated from myself. I was still there for my son, but I started like, because I didn't really have a good conversation or a good uh, relationship with my in-laws at the time during this transition. And I found myself manipulating my son into not liking them because I didn't like them because I didn't like myself or who I was or what I was going. So imagine like you're, you're being told every day, uh, I don't like Lance. I, I don't like your mom. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. You need to fix it. Blah, blah, blah. But you, in your mind, you think you're helping. You think you're helping build somebody up, like get away, be free like me. I'm free. Every job I went to, every job that I had, it was just like, I couldn't vibe, man. I couldn't think straight. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not put the pieces together for the life of me because I would go, I took a job as a tow truck operator. I know nothing about trucks. I just did it because that's, that's what was presented at me at the time. And I learned so much about that. Huh. about the people, about, about the world of that world. I learned, I took a job as doing insulation, nothing about that. And I learned about that world and those people and all those people would open up to me and all those people would tell me, and I'm just like, oh, you know, whereas before I'd be like, yeah, let me help you. But now I'm just like, I'm fucked, you know? And then my wife couldn't deal with it anymore. And, uh, I, I, I did not blame her. I could not blame her. I blamed her in the beginning. I could not blame her. And then I wanted to kill myself. And so I remember I, 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 it was in August of that year. I went to go hang myself. And uh, Holy shit. I think, dude, I had the, the rope around my neck. And I remember I talked to my, my son's godfather. Um, and he, he's always the voice of reason. And he reached out to, to, to my wife, Brianna, and uh, she's like, are you okay? And then, dude, when I tell you, I went to step off the, and the rope, it was like one of those uh, zip tie ropes, you know? The, yeah. The real, dude, it came undone. And I ended up falling, but uh, it came undone. There was no, uh, there was no snap. There was no anything. It just, I fell on the floor. I remember just hysterical crying. Wow. And, and so I'm like, okay, okay. So I, I guess I'm not meant to die. So let me go through this. And I was living in upper New York at the time. And I was traveling about an hour and a half to work every day. And then I couldn't do that anymore. And then I had a, I had an issue with somebody in that house. Uh, I was living with some people that I don't even know that a friend of ours recommended it. I, you know, I stay with them. And this guy was, uh, you know, the, the, the spiritual guy, you know, the energy guy, like to just like, yeah, I know everything, but they're, they're kind of like, uh, so egoic, but they're so spiritual, but they're so egoic because yeah. they're better than those guys, you know? And I could see right through him. And I, I'm like, listen, man, I don't, I can't vibe with you. And it was a big disagreement and he, he, it was an interesting. So I learned about him and I learned about his, his path and, and, and the other gentleman I was living with, he was a huge introvert. And he also had a tick. Very calm, very, you know, very smooth voice, very relaxing, you know. And he was a cool guy. So I learned about his mannerisms and where I was in this, this whole situation, how I fit in. Needless to say, uh, this guy wanted me out. I was out. I had nowhere to go. Uh, and the guy that I had met in Brooklyn when I was DJing said, hey, you can stay with me. I ended up going there. He seemed like a cool guy. Then there was a whole other ball game in that. You know, there was child abuse in the house that I was witness to. 
and that I said something, obviously, because I don't believe in child abuse. And then boom, now you're kicked out. Mm. All this time while I'm being estranged from my wife, my son, and I would see them, you know, sometimes, but I was never myself. And when your child looks at you, it's such, who the fuck is this guy? And the woman that you love so much is like, pull your shit together. But you can't. You want to. I call it a conscious depression. Like, you know you're in the shit. Shit's going, you try to kill yourself once. It's not going to, it's not going to work out. But at the same time, people were starting to reach out to me on Facebook about doing healing sessions with me because I started actually learning about, you know, the practices of shamanic healing. And I actually was doing it from my car, man. I was actually, when I got kicked out of that house for, for, for standing up, I was in my car in a Weiss parking lot. Weiss is a supermarket. And doing healing sessions on the phone while I was stealing food to eat because I had no money in my bank account. And the money that I did have, I was scrounging up change to get a bottle of wine just so I hope this fucking day ends. Wow. While I have people messaging me saying, thank you, you're changing my life, you're helping me, but I couldn't do it myself. You know, and, and to me, I'm like, God, like, why? You know, why? Why is this happening? why like this is some sick 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 joke and i I remember just crying a lot i remember crying a lot and crying a lot and crying a lot and um there you know there was this offer on craigslist they found sat in this apartment and i i was so humiliated lance i was so embarrassed that i put on a gofundme to help me raise money to get into this apartment and it worked. People, people you know, did it and they helped me out. And I moved into this apartment in Union, New Jersey. And it was the most bizarre situation. My roommate thought he was Joan Rivers. And, but it was, it, was, it was a light side. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, this is bizarre. I like it. You know, it's fun. I was living in a small room, finally getting my stuff together, doing insulation work. And then the company went out of business. And I had nothing. And then it's like, I finally, maybe he get my family back. <laughs> Breaks on there. It didn't work. I started actually doing in-person sessions during this time because it made me feel better. You know, what timeline are we at here? What year? Because we were talking 2016. This, this is talk- 2017 now. Oh, this okay, is we're in 20. Okay. So I'm just going, yeah. So Yeah, yeah. Just, just so we can paint a picture of like, you know. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The journey, yeah. Absolutely. We're at 2017. We're 2017. You're, you're starting to do in-person sessions. Yeah. And what part of 2017? The beginning. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, so the beginning of uh, 2017 and um, a buddy of mine, Frank, who'd reached out that November uh, because I was posting stuff on Facebook about, you know, positive memes and stuff like that. He reached out to me and we ended up becoming really new kind of best friends. He's actually my business partner now. And um, we ended up doing a session, a salvia session. I learned about salvia and the healing properties of salvia. Um, and it changed his life. And it was just like, I'm changing, you know, here, here we are. And we're, we're making this guy. He's coming to me knowing Mike, I'm, I'm in a shit show, but he trusts me enough to do it. So we did a salvia session. And all of a sudden it was just this epiphany that I had like, damn, I could, I would love to do this. I would love to do this full time. I would love to just go with it because this is who I am. This yeah. is what I'm about. And, and this is, this is where I'm going. And 
right when I thought everything was good, I started writing a book, you know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is where we could get to. This is how you could heal yourself. You know, I read a lot of, you know, Tony Robbins, like, you know, he, he's, we love him. He's great. Yeah. Um, Eckhart Tolle, you know, I started really getting yeah. into a lot of, you know, Alan Watts. I started reading uh, more Rumi, started reading all these people like to get some kind of influence and it felt awesome. Like, great. And then all of a sudden, bang, releases up. You have to go nowhere to go. Nothing. Fuck. I came home and there were these guys in my apartment and the guy said, the lease is up. These are my cousins. I'm moving in. You have until you have four days, four days to get your shit and get out. Now I already, you know, just took moving around so much. I really didn't have much. So I, there was a lady that I also did personal training for a little bit. And this lady took me into her house and she said, you could stay here which is pretty cool. This is still, this is 2017. I'm moving towards, you know, this, you know, the summer. Uh, and I stayed with her and I found out she was neurotic. You know, there was, there was so much going on and abuse and she started abusing me. And she was like, you know, when you use the bathroom, sit down, use the bathroom, like crazy stuff, crazy outrageous stuff. But I was just grateful to be somewhere or be with somebody. And I was closer to my wife and son and we started actually building more of a relationship because of the craziness. Cause I started looking at it, Lance, like, this is so outrageous. This can't be real. I might as well just fucking laugh at it. Cause all these people are coming into my lives, all these situations that are happening, everything that's going down is completely hysterical, hysterical. There's no more tears. I have no more tears because now it's just like, I feel like I'm, I, there's a freedom in that. So I'm getting closer with my family again. And then now her husband doesn't like that. I'm there. You have to go. <laughs> yeah. And this is October, November. Now I'm still doing sessions with people, just not as much, obviously, because I have no place to do it. And I started getting to herbal, herbal remedies and I started getting into, um, you know, you know, like-minded healing and cellular healing and, and, and uh, crystal healing and all, all this, all this knowledge that I'm learning from everything, and and obviously going to different um, events in New York City and learning uh, about you know sexual healing and learning about about everything you could possibly imagine because hey you know what there has to be something, and I've absorbed it and applied it um, to everybody else, but not to myself yet, and then. Sorry, it's a little emotional. Uh, no, man. I love, just, yeah, no, just. And then, and then it was just like, I, I honestly, man, I felt like I had nowhere to go. My, my buddy Frank said, dude, you can come with me in Pennsylvania and stay with me. And I did. And we connected and, you know, it was a good vibe. And he was one of the first people to be like, bro, you got to get your shit together. And he gave me X amount of time to move out because he was going through something and I couldn't really be there. And wouldn't you know, I landed this, this job, this job being a, uh, a building superintendent, free apartment, free this, free that. I was like, Holy shit. You know, thank goodness. Finally. And then I went there and then all of a sudden, you know, what we have now is like, now I have a place. And when I first got there, Lance, man, I fell on the floor and I cried like a baby for about nine hours, dude. I'm not even lying. There's no joke. I felt like I was intoxicated at a drug. It felt like it was something. And I woke up and there was a huge, huge owl right outside my apartment. 
just standing, just standing there, just like literally on my, you know, on my balcony. And I never seen an owl up close and they're big, man. Like, and I'm, and all of a sudden, like, this is it. This is it. And I realized at that moment, I got to do things my way because things were, you know, I have to take everything I've learned from everything I have, from all the experiences, from all the people, from all the trauma, from all the shit, from everything that could possibly amount to this piece of shit that I thought I was and realize that, fuck, man, you made it. It doesn't matter what you do anymore. You made it right now because you're never going to go back there and you're going to continue to help people. And when people tell you that, hey, man, you changed my life with your words, with your guided meditation, with your podcast, with this, with that, with that, now it sticks more because it's like, damn, I did it and I don't have a story behind it because I don't have to keep replaying my story or keep saying it because I'm not there anymore. Yeah. And, and what I did was I, I took out the whole idea of addiction. I took the, I, I, I let go of that crutch. I let go of the feeling that I, I needed, I needed to meditate. I needed, I needed to bang my crystal and bang my drums, do my crystals. I needed to sage myself, smudge myself, tap myself three times in the head, do spins, all this stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, that was not me. And it was insulting to my, my quote unquote spirit guides or who I really was. And going to um, this amazing uh, shamanic healer, um, Gabriel, he laughed at me. And I remember I felt so insulted laughing at me in, uh, in the beginning of 2000, uh, at the end of 2017. He's a year, you know, you're, you really are Hayoka. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, no, you're, you're a sacred clown. You're, 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 you're a joke. You're funny. You're, you're, you're a shitstorm. You don't take, you know, that's who you are. Not serious. And that's how you do your healing sessions because there is no ceremony. There is no tradition with you. And since then, I, you know, I, I'm like, wow. And he's like, you know, you're strong as a Bodhi tree. And as, um, you know, you, you, have, you have the ability to change the earth as an earthworm, but to see things as an eagle. And I'm like, okay. You know, because, again, at this time, I'm just, just absorbing it, but I, I never took anything serious. Cause I wanted to see change, you know? Yeah. I, you wanted to see that tangible thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so it just dawned on me, damn man, he's right. And then like, you don't see it right away because then I'm like, I'm hanging out. I'm having family day. Now I'm having family time. I'm hanging out with my wife. We're going to, we're going to, we're going, everything's just becoming coming together without, like I said in the beginning, without any kind of titles, no titles. We just were knowing that my wife is a healer, knowing that my son is an indigo that could see things, knowing that he could read me, vibe me, feel me. And now they're finally comfortable around me. That to me was the embodiment of what growth is. It didn't matter how many people I quote unquote helped because I still did not feel it internally. And when I started seeing the world through my son's eyes and how he looked at me, he said, daddy, like, you know, just, it made me feel much more. And to see like my, 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 my wife look at me like, wow, you, you know, there's something going on. However, comma, this is, a, this may be a mask or whatever, because you feel good. Uh, and so, you know, dude, all of a sudden I shed the masks, man. I shed the mask and I, and I, I started just doing non-traditional things and, 
adding it to my practices and, um, you know, really breaking it down on a molecular struct, you know, so molecular scale. And dude, and here I am and I, and I created Bodhi body wellness from the Bodhi tree, uh, which is very important to me. Um, it represents strength for me. So what's a Bodhi tree, man? The Bodhi tree is actually the, the tree that uh, Buddha would sit under. It's the enlightened okay. tree. Awesome. Yeah, it's the branches. It's it's the branches, the veins of the earth, man. It's actually uh, if you look, my wife, you know, my wife did placenta work. She works in the birthing world. If you look at a placenta, if you ever got a chance to look at it, it looks like the tree of life. The Bodhi tree is the tree of life, and so seeing that and actually feeling that, I felt that I'm, I was given a whole other shot, but I did it in a way where I was forced. I was forced through everything, through everything you could possibly imagine. And again, there's things that I left out. Um, you know, wow. there's things that I left out, you know, that, I, that it's kind of, uh, it really changed my, my perspective on people in life. And I, and I had no bitterness. Wow. Man. I, there, <laughs> sorry, sorry to go on, dude. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look like this is the thing is like, <laughs> That was, I, your story is so powerful and I didn't want to interrupt you because I knew that it, you, you had so much to tell there. So that's why I wanted you. Oh, thank you. I just, there's so much unpacked there, man. And I was trying to make notes so I could don't forget to cover stuff, but there's certain parts that you mentioned in your yeah. story that we have very similar, similar things. And, and one thing that you, one of the things you talked about was that you had that, that, that feeling inside that you wanted to do something more than what, you know, the average people are doing. So you wanted to help, right? So you wanted to be a cop. You wanted to do something noble, something that was like, and I was the same, man. I went, I I wanted to be a cop. I failed. I tried to be a fireman. And I wondered what was the core thing about these things that I wanted. And it was to help people. But I was like you, I was writing an exam and I was out partying doing stupid shit. The, yeah. the next day, it was exactly the same, man. It's like, wow, wow man, like my values, I want to do this, but I'm showing up like this and in the nightlife and all that. And I know what you mean, because for me working in bars, I don't know if you know this, well, we yeah. might've talked about it, but like, you know, I was in bars for years and I liked that atmosphere where you knew people were just I knew it was a fake atmosphere, but like the booze and everything could, everybody could just get along. It was just like, um, well, not always get along, but it was kind of just an easy way to sort of let your hair down and, and feeding people booze and these relationships. It was like, it was not, it was easy for me. And it was, it was kind of like escaping real life for, and when it became my job, um, it just became life. And I could really, I could really relate with you what you're talking about there, man, as like, but then you realize you're like, man, this isn't, this isn't it. The stuff you went through, bro, is, is so rough. And hearing that and just hearing like the stuff I went through, I, there's a lot of similarities different, but you know, on the path and, and, and just to hear you, you know, that you were able to learn these lessons along the way um, is, is, is amazing. And I really want to, some people that are listening, like, I don't, I do have some, we do talk about spiritual healing in somewhat, and I'm going to actually be having more people on with this because this is fascinating to me and I love it. Okay. Maybe talk about 
there's a few things I want to address here, but talk about like a shaman. What is that for people that don't know? Because people that don't know about ayahuasca or people don't, don't know about, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff, like what is a shaman? What do they do? I know you kind of said that he sort of, he or she gave you clarity, but like, what do they do on the big scale of things and how do people make sense of, of shamanism? Absolutely. The shaman, the shaman is, is what they consider the medicine man of the tribe. He, you know, or she are learning to travel um, within uh, different realms of, of reality or uh, the journey, you know, and what they do is they can sense the energy of people, um, the breakages in people, as we call them chakras, the energy flow, uh, and pretty much get a sense of, of, of who you are more so than who you are. Think of like Yoda, like Yoda from Star Wars would be considered like a shaman, if you will. And these medicine men use all kinds of techniques, um, whether it's, uh, you know, in South American, there's a medicine wheel. So they have, like you mentioned, ayahuasca. There's, there's plant um, remedies. There's all kinds of different remedies to heal yourself. But what they do is give you insight to yourself. They travel to what they call the spirit world. Sounds, you know, some people say, oh, you know, whatever you want to believe. But it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. If you feel energy. I mean, it's just a different kind. Most so people that I, listen to this understand that we talk about th- th- that. Yeah. So people, people, if they don't, aren't used to that. They will because th- it's all about energy, man. So it's, it's, it really is a hundred percent. They, they, what they do is what we do. I, I don't like to label myself a shaman. I mean, I am, but um, what we do is we literally travel from the three, three dimensions of, of, you know, a lower level, a mid-level, an upper level, uh, which is this would be the earthly plane. The lower level would be obviously the ground plane and the upper level would be um, the heavenly realm or whatever realm you want to call it. And you basically find different parts of yourself within all these realms on your journey once we're allowed to go in there and like a, like a, a soul retrieval is an example. We we do our best to help you see yourself. So you could go ahead and fix yourself. So shamans are known as healers. This is true. However, there's a responsibility on your end to take what's been given to you and do it. We are the liaison between the other world, this world, and without dogma. And mm-hmm. there's, there's, it's, there's medicine, as you say. It's, it's all kinds of medicine, whether it's energy, crystals, or whatever. That's, oh man, that's fascinating. Um, just because, yeah. And, and I want to just touch on that because I was in Mexico yeah. for a retreat and we had a shaman do one of those, um, what do they call it? Like, it's one of those sweat, sweat lodge things. It's a sweat lodge. Yeah. Yeah. What is it called? Like, um, a mescatel, mescatel or something. There was some oh. name they had mezcatel it was almost like the word mezcal, but it was different mezcatel. It was like a, it was honestly, it was like a, it was like an igloo. Exactly like an igloo, but it was cement. And it was the dopest experience, man. I it's probably one of my best experiences I've I've ever had. And it was the highlight of my retreat because we went into this thing and I don't know, you might have saw I I posted a little bit of it. I didn't post enough of it, but um we went in and we would sit in there and he would have four we would have four stages. I think it was earth, wind, fire, water. And he would chant and he'd pour this tea on the rocks mm-hmm. and each stage we would get through, he would do something different. He would, he would either sing or he would chant. 
And it was tough, man. But like he would talk us through this stuff and it was really, really healing, man, to hear his voice and then his comforting, his comforting aura. And um, normally, you know, I get anxiety in those kind of places and that heat and that kind of thing. And I did, but having him, that aura, and then after having him like talk to us, man, it was super healing. And then he did like a fire for us later in the night. He was singing and like, man, that singing was just like the most mesmerizing thing. And it's, it was just, it was just so soothing. And, and I think you need to have that level of energy to, to practice. You have to have that, that glow to you, you know, like you have now, man, like I, as soon as we connected, this is the first time I've seen you in, in person, well, not in person, but on video. And I could feel that, like that, that, that gentle, calm energy from you. And I don't even know you. I was just like, I knew this guy. I knew right away. Right. And you have that with people, right? Like all the time, man, all the time. It's it's magic, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. So I I really wanted to talk to you as well about, you know, okay. You, you went through all this change. You're growing. There was so much shit going on. And all of a sudden the the shaman tells you this, like what, how did you show up differently? And, And correct me if I'm wrong, but is it because like, first of all, what are the things you do differently now and people look at you different? And do you feel now on your everyday life, you're just being your authentic self and that's coming out and people can get feed off that? Because I've noticed that too, as I implemented things into my life, you know, gratitude, meditation, all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, people started to treat me differently. And I started it, it, this, I can't even explain it, man, because it's just been such a crazy journey. But like, what are some of the, the habits that you changed in your life as opposed to before when, you know, people were, you just felt all this resistance, you felt all this shit. And do you think that if you would have applied some of the stuff you know now, then that maybe it wouldn't have got as bad? And you think, you know, maybe just walk us through some of the habits of the day that you had to switch you know, oh, in order to, on a daily basis. I mean, the first thing I, I the first thing that really changed me, and to, and to answer your question, I, I mean, I, if I knew what I knew, I had to know, I had to learn what I learned now, because it wouldn't have served me back then. I had to lose that. I had to, because that to me was um, ownership. You know, there's an ownership that people have that, like, you know, that's my girl, that's my family, that's my this, that's my that. So the first thing to do, you have to realize. It, as far as what I do is start internally. You don't own shit. Let's get that. Let's get that right off the thing. I look at my son. I don't own my son. I don't own my wife. I don't own any of them. You know, at the end of the day, ownership is, you know, this, this concept of, of, of insecurities as far as when it comes to people. Yeah. And so when you lose that, you do is you, you have a little bit more freedom. So, how I started seeing it and how I started practicing it is becoming a kid again with my kid and seeing my son in the freedom that he has the ability to play, not judging immediately. Antonio, you can't do that. You can't do this or you shouldn't do that. Just observe my son as free as a bird. And then I thought about a time in my life, you know, when, when you, when you do therapy, you say, take, take us back to your childhood. And it's usually bad shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what happened? Because at any moment in your childhood, any bad incident that you see or feel alters your life. No matter what it is, whether it's getting yelled at on your birthday, whether it's not getting a gift that you want and getting shitted on by your parents for not getting it, 
It's, it's all in the explanation of how and, and how it unfolds. But in our mind, we see things as this new world. So I started reflecting and going back into my own life. And I started thinking, okay, what's different? How could I change things? How can I make things different? My meditation would be great, but there was still something there. There's always going to be something there. There, ha- there can't be a vice where most people have. A lot of people have. Everything, everything is a drug one way or another. That's the way I see it. Again, this is just me. I don't want to just speak for This is me. Yeah. So a day, so a day in, my, in my life, I, I started realizing the world through the eyes of a child and started understanding that no matter what the experience you're getting out of it, there's the yin and the yang. You have to embrace the dark. You have to embrace the light to be an observer and to not take it as though you're already conditioned to, to believe it. Like when you're younger, you see a dog on the street, your mom's like, oh, go, 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 go. Right away, bang, cellularly, you're like, okay, a dog. Or, oh, you, if your dad's a racist, so like, oh, you don't like that person right away, bang, it's already in your head. Whether or not it's still in the back of your head because you're going to see an individual and automatically something's going to go into your body. Yeah. So the problem is, or it's not the problem. The problem is that there is no problem. But the thing is, to achieve anything, before you jump into like something that you think is going to instantaneously fix you, which is a farce, because it doesn't work like that, is to understand exactly who you were as the little person that you were coming into this world, how you were when you first stepped into this world. If you think about this, Lance, it really changed my opinion on life. How many people out there, and you can even ask your guests on the show, really know who their parents are? How many people knew their dad or their mom at 15, 16 years old crying, what their dreams were at seven or eight or nine? See, we spoke about sports earlier. I can know everything about Derek Jeter, Henrik Lundqvist, Mark Messier but I know shit about my parents. And these are the people that are showing you the world in your life. These are the people that are bringing you into this world and setting you free. And you know, dick about them. Mm. That's I'm sorry, but I think a lot of people are being, you know, screwed. don't apologize, bro. You're so right, man. (laughs) It's such a good point, man. Like such a good point. You know, like we don't even know. We don't even, we don't have that. we, We don't, Care, like what is it? Empathy. I always get sympathetic and empathetic mixed up. But like we don't have that empathy for our parents sometimes that they went through a lot of shit. Yeah. And so, you know, they were kids uh, too, you know? Yeah, and you, you don't know what their dreams were, you don't know what their goals were. Like I only found thirty eight, I only found out when I was twenty nine that my mom was married before my dad. You know how mind blowing that is? I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. So like and you don't know any of that because there's like this whole thing. Everything starts from childhood, man. People People, like, even if you're on this journey and you want to change your life, dude, you could fix from your heart all the way up to your crown and it could be mag- magnificent and you could have like, things spinning and you could see and there's crystals and light coming out of your ass and everything is fantastic. But unless you fix the lower areas, man, yeah. you are going to be completely imbalanced and that starts all the way from your childhood, your first sexual child, your first sexual experience, the trauma that most women face, whether or not you had uh, any kind of uh, trauma yourself which people don't even remember or know, but cellularly your body remembers it. So how I get through my day, I understand that I teach my body cellularly and spiritually that together, because you could be spiritual as hell, but your body is always going to be earthly and it's always going to remember shit, whether you want to believe it or not. And the key is to cellularly fix your body from that shit, from that trauma, from understanding what you see the world as and to see it as a brand new experience. 
And that's what I do with my, like with my clients. And, you know, when I always tell my clients, the first thing is to think of a chill of, of, of going to another country with no understanding of it whatsoever, no concept of language and just being right. How do you feel? Like, oh, fuck it. There's all kinds of like answers, right? Now imagine being a child coming into the world, not understanding the world and all of a sudden having people yell at you for not doing things for, or picking this up and not doing that. You can't do that. Getting embarrassed in front of people. Go kiss grandma. Go kiss this. Go kiss that. Go get hug that. Completely taking away that child's light. And it's fucked up because you actually start seeing the diminutive. If you look at some child's pictures and you could actually see the light fade from them as they become a teenager and they're like, Oh, they're just teenagers. Oh, and, wow. and to me, and when, when you learn about this and that's why I'm grateful for my psychology, my psychological background, that's why I'm grateful for my therapy. Cause I took all that shit that I've learned. And instead of putting people in boxes and looking at them as criminals, I'm actually using it to help them fucking heal because that's what they need. Cause wow. you can, I want people, I want people to feel, damn dude, I, anybody can make it. Because you're a shaman, I'm a shaman, he's, everybody has it in them. There's nothing special about us. And people have to realize that. And to realize that, you have to realize what kind of kid you were, who you grew up with, even if you like your parents or don't like your parents. It's not their journey, dude. And you have to let go of that. The daddy's little girl. Get over yourself. You need to because you're not daddy's little girl. You're a young woman. You're a goddess. Yeah. You know, Little, you know, the, the guys, you know, that, that just feel like they have to be powerful and strong. Yeah. Dude, the real alpha male is not kicking out his ass, man. It's a person that can sit there and fight a battle while at the same time grow a garden. Yeah, totally, man. The, the, having that balance of masculine and feminine, man. We talked about this. Actually, yeah, I think we talked about this in Dr. Aaron's. Yes. Um, Dr. Aaron's episode. I don't know if, if you, anybody. I heard it. Yeah. Did you? Cool. She's, yeah, she's amazing. Awesome. Man, she was, she's powerful. And I just, man, I love these conversations. I never would have had these conversations five years ago, man, two years ago. I had no fucking idea what any of this stuff meant. And man, every time we talk about this stuff, it just pulls, peels one more layer of the onion and I start to learn more about it. And what you're talking about, about the childhood thing, that's what we worked on at the retreat is I went back and I had these fears for things, man fears for swimming, fears of all this. And we went back and I, and I went through all the traumas I had as a kid. I was thrown into the deep end as a kid when I was doing swimming lessons and I was petrified of water for my whole life. And I, yeah. all these, when we went deep, I started to think of these things and then addressing them and actually like understanding like those things that happen when we're young affect us throughout our whole life. But if we don't realize that, if we don't fix those things, we don't, you know, understand and let them go. They're going to continue to haunt us, right? So, yeah. and I realized that some of those those things really affected, like up until I, I'm an adult trying to, you know, going going. I won't even surf. I wouldn't surf before that. I wouldn't even go into deep water because I'm, I'm I still have that fear. Yeah. And I mind you, I did go surfing for the first time after we had this this healing, this thing. So. It's I, what you're saying is just, it's so you're just exactly, you're talking about exactly what we were going through with it. And it's just so amazing, dude. Like it's so important to understand the, 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 the sponge that these kids minds are and that you have to really, you have to really program them with the right programming. Yeah. But you know, part of me, part of me, oh man, we're getting close to time here. We may have yeah. to have a part two. Um, All right. We, what what are these? What I mean though is that with I wanted to touch on this one thing, yeah. um, 
one was involving with kids. Do you think that going through that, do you think that they're still going to, if they go through that, that struggle as a kid, that it may help them to become who they want to be later? Like we both went through that. And then now we've had this realization and we're growing. Do you think if everything is perfect for them and they don't have that and there's all this love and there's no, like, do you think that then they won't have that sort of adversity or like that, that thing to overcome later? Like, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. No, 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 no. Yeah. Like if, if they didn't go through the fire, would they, would they be who they are now? Yeah. Like, is that what we want for the kid? Or do we want them to have some, a certain amount of, of things that they're going to have to figure out that they weren't perfect when they were young, obviously to an extent. No, I, 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 I feel that, you know, the life's journey is going to throw you all, obviously with both of us, it's going to throw you all kinds of different um, situations in which you're like, holy shit. However, yeah. when you're so young, right? Yeah. Where you don't have the ability to, to, to actually comprehend what's going on, like five, six, seven, eight, whatever, even nine. If you don't have a support group that don't influence you on how they see the situation and they don't empower you to see how, how you like, well, for example, if something happens to my son, well, Tony, how do you feel about the situation? Well, I feel this. Really? Okay. I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, I feel this blah, 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 X, Y, Z, and your mother feels this X, Y, Z. It's giving them a voice and giving them an opinion. Yeah, they went through it. Absolutely go through a hard time, whether it's getting hit on the playground, whether it's being bullied, whatever it may be. It's giving them the strength to find themselves in scenarios, whether no matter how bright or or, or, or meek they may be, they'll be able to see that they have a supporting cast behind them because everybody goes through dark times. Everybody goes through dark shit. It, it, it has to happen. It's part of life. But when you empower a kid to see it from a perspective that it's okay, even if it's not okay, but it's okay because there's love around you. There's love here. There's love that. No matter how messed up it is, because you're going to fuck up. It's going to happen. But I want to know how you feel first. I think that empowers kids more. Yeah. And therefore, the, the situations as they get older or whatever, or, whatever um, or, or anything that happens when they come over, there'll be a little bit more understanding and consciousness of how to deal with the situation and not just say, oh, my God, this girl broke my heart. I'm going to kill myself because if I, if I didn't go through that heartache and that pain, I wouldn't do this. But there's a way like, okay, I went through that heartache and pain. It hurts. It's going to hurt. It's mourning somebody who's alive. And it's just an example. However, comma, this person was in my life for this particular reason. I learned about it. And that's what it is. It's taking away the codependency of, of people while at the same time embracing love. I think if you do that with children, no matter what they go through in life, because they're going through, they'll have a better understanding of how to, how to, how to navigate the world because you're going to fall to pieces. It's getting up from those, from those downs, you know? Yeah. And so when you, when you have that, when you have parents that, that are like that, or you have friends that are like that, like you and I, you know, like if, if you have somebody that you go to that won't throw their shit or their opinions on you. Yeah. Then yeah. I think that, but yeah, kids, kids need to go through that. But dude, if you have that, man, I honestly feel the world, you know, the world would change. I really do. I love it, man. All right. Man, I, time's flying. Uh, <laughs> I just, I got one more, two more things for you, bro. And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. What's, yeah. what's the one thing 
that you can suggest for somebody to overcome adversity, to go on, to become great in their life, whatever it is they're doing. You could think of one thing. Absolutely. Remember the kid that you, remember the kid who you were when you were alone, when you saw the world from a new place. Now, when you're around friends or anything, just remember that how happy you were, no matter how hard it is, no matter what the situation is, because when you find that person, they'll find you because that's gets stored in your mind. That's cellular. And if you link those two neurons will fly and fire because happiness is, is happiness is a memory away. And it worked for me. It's worked for my clients and you don't have to do all the extra stuff, man. It's really going internal. And then you can worry about the chakras later. Because it's not going to fire on all cylinders unless you fire in your mind first and actually activate the suppressed memories. So find yourself, your true self, who you once were. Awesome, man. Where can we find you, bro? Let's. Uh... Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Bodhi Body Wellness on, on Facebook. Um, we're actually going to have a website up within the next two months. B-O-D-H-I. Yeah. Wellness. And you can reach out to me. Uh, obviously, you can reach out to my partner, Frank, and, you know, just talk. And I'm, I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, respon- you know, I'm very responsive and responsible. And uh, I'm always available. No matter what, day or night, I'm always available. We can talk, chat, whatever. And you can find me on Instagram, Body Body Wellness as well. Awesome. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward. I think you need more content out there. You got a great, you got a great thing here, man. Um, I just, I look forward to seeing what you create, but like, I think some, you put out some like amazing, I think you could put up some amazing videos and just, just what you're speaking, man, everybody needs to hear. So I want you to know that like you got some amazing stuff and I just think you need to share it. I mean, I know you're still, starting, you know, on a journey and there's just so much room for growth, but man, I just, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and I'm so glad we connected. Um, all the, all the stuff will be in the show notes where to find you. And yeah, man, um, I'm so excited to see what the next year will bring for both of us. So, Oh, absolutely, man. Super grateful, man. And on me, I'm taking you to Madison square garden. We're going to go watch game and we're going to, we're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, man. No, for sure. In New York. Yeah. Are you in New York right now? I'm actually outside New York. I'm New Jersey. I'm oh, man. When I come out there, I'm hitting you up. So I will Dude, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. It'd be great. It'd be fantastic. Man. Oh. It'd be epic, bro. All right, man. I really appreciate it. I'm sure everybody will love this. Um, and yeah, there's just so much gold. We may have to do one here in six months again and just uh, drop some more fire. Oh, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Okay, man. Appreciate you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some value from that. Without you guys, this is impossible. So I really, really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode and got value from it, go ahead and rate it, review it, hit that subscribe button. We want to get this to as many people as possible. We want this thing to grow. So go ahead, rate, review, subscribe. And I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.